This is George Alvarez with an Extra Extra Podcast. I want you to slow it down, put on some delicious music, grab your favorite lady, lay back, relax, and enjoy Extra Extra Podcast. It's a snow day. Yeah, George's Extra Extra sounded so radio. I was like, wow, falling in love with George all over again. July 2018. This is episode 18, Summer. First, we got to check in on the last couple pods. We've had three pod pieces released since the last time all four of us were on the phone, which seems kind of crazy. A lot more content than I thought we were going to get out there this summer. I'm going to ask Steve and less just quickly of the pod that george and i did the extra extra that we kind of sprung on you where george got way more face time than we did on our citizen interview with ian so uh lester any quick thoughts yeah i loved it i loved it it's uh, a good question to start with because steve and i were actually talking about this the other day and uh yeah. one of the things that that i was thinking was how enjoyable it was to listen to a podcast that i wasn't on because i had no idea what you guys were going to talk about next Whereas when we record these pods, I'm always excited to listen to them after the fact to see how you have curated the, the conversation. But I generally know what the topic was and what the comments were made and the direction that it went. Whereas this time I was like, no, it's just like listening to two of my best friends having a conversation as if I'm in the room. And I really very much enjoyed it. I'd have to second that. I think we agreed, we agreed on that. It was, it was kind of neat to not know where it was going. Um, and the sound was great too. So that was good. Knowing you guys were at uh, studio P at paint Lake there was, uh, was endearing as well because I've, I've been there and lots of great memories have been there and it just kind of felt like I was there with you guys. Uh, and it was also good to hear Georgie, uh, uh, talk a little bit about his commentary on not only the interview, but on less and I, and that was kind of, kind of interesting. Like, where's this going to go? And, uh, I think I was laughing hysterically, Imagining my windmill arms, um, the way he described them. It's uh, it's an example of how crazy his life is, how he runs at 100 miles an hour all the time or he falls over. Is that just that's how busy he is? It really is true. Can... It's like he's running downhill at all times. Yeah, exactly. If his feet don't keep going, he will, he will fall on his face. Yeah, and he's like uh, windmilling his arms <laughs> so he doesn't fall down. Uh, and I was walking downtown Toronto somewhere out for a long walk, uh, listening to the podcast, and I was laughing out loud, I'm pretty sure. So it was it was great. I, I loved it. I listened to it twice, actually, uh, in a 24-hour period. So there you go. Oh, nice. It was a lot of fun to do. I, I know George is, would echo these thoughts. And I was a little worried, just because we've always been the four guys, and, and what's, A, the dynamic going to be with just two people, and, and how all that would sit. But I, I think it might have opened the door. We certainly aren't going to always just uh, cut anybody out or lose somebody, but I think... When you guys said that, uh, Steve and Les, I wouldn't mind having you guys record something and, and kind of drop it on George and I someday or at least send it over for editing. So it's I think it opened up another yeah. little dimension and it was it was fun to do and sort of uh, elaborate on this, George. But it's it's interesting when you're in the room together because it's a whole different dynamic for the conversation, right? Absolutely. I mean, I think we should change the format and it should just be me and you from, uh, from now on, Bruce. <laughs> that might hurt Steve and Les' feelings. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that was coming. Oh, you knew that was coming. Being able to see each other, expressions, smiling, uh, body language, natural pauses so that we don't trip on each other. Uh, it's, it was a completely different dynamic and it was super fun. And it actually turned out 
you know, better than I thought it was going to. Agreed. It was great. The one before that was a citizen interview. We sort of touched on that a little bit. Uh, that was a lo- lot of fun for the three of us to do with Ian. And then the stuff episode came out somewhere in there as well. And uh, I really wasn't sure where stuff was going to go. And in the end, it turned out to be a great one. And I, I felt like we probably could have talked for another half hour. Anybody thoughts on that? All right. Good enough. I'll edit out, I'll edit out that big pause. <laughs> hey, Bruce, I got a question. I got a question. Can we clear something up just before we jump into the into the meat of this topic? Yep. This uh, pro- producer producer Mike tossed this out in his uh, pre call notes that he circulated the other day, and I uh, I didn't know the answer to it. Are we referring to Studio B as Paint Lake as Studio B or Studio P as in Paint Lake? I think it's being used both ways, and I think we need to tighten this up. I prefer P. Just to tell you, I prefer P Studio P. I kind of like Studio P as well, but we I feel like we talked at one time that it was going to be Studio P, and then we went back to Studio B for some reason, just that uh, maybe maybe P reminds uh, people that don't go to Paint Lake, maybe P sounds like Studio Piss, and we don't really want that. Oh, I, th- I thought that's what we were going for. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, yeah. I like okay. P. Okay. Studio B sounds better, and the P... Unless yeah. you're a bit yeah. in Paint Lake, doesn't make sense. And to echo less, yeah. I'm actually kind of happy that, you know, we received a goddamn email from producer Mike. Like, he finally chimed in a little bit. <laughs> I felt that he's finally contributing a little bit. Yeah, no, I appreciated I appreciated his pre-call notes. Um, I yeah. thought that they yeah. were very uh, on point and good direction there. I think I certainly worked them into my thoughts for tonight's call. So uh, I, I'm throwing some love at producer Mike for that email that he sent out the other night. I gotta put a strong endorsement behind the Studio B because I just think we need to think of this as we move in a global branding direction. There's gonna be a Studio <laughs> C and D. You have to have a naming convention that makes sense for people. Otherwise, we're just fucking all over the map with our different studios. So just keep that in mind. Wow, you, you're really passionate about that one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put Studio B. I'm not married to P. You're, you're all in. Although Studio T when we're in, in uh, Toronto and Studio C when we're in Calgary would all be kind of cool, but I'm, I don't mind A, B, C, D. Seems we get our best work out of producer Mike when he's had a number of cocktails and then can't sleep at about midnight at the lake. <laughs> Here's the disclaimer. There's going to be some swearing. This is going to be a little unprofessional. Some place between a locker room and a church gathering. Nothing we'd be embarrassed to play for our kids or our parents. That's kind of the zone. If you can live with that, welcome aboard. If not, thanks for giving it a try. Four people trapped in a virtual living room by a virtual snowstorm. This is is a snow day podcast. Featuring Les Hansen, part-time entrepreneur, full-time lover. Living La Vida Loca <laughs> was blasting out of every cheesy guy in Toronto's convertible on the way home from the office. You couldn't go anywhere without hearing that fucking song. George Alvarez, Doctor of the Stars, and the guy who keeps referring to himself in the third person. See chameleon lying there in the sun. All things to everyone. Run, run away. Stephen DeGroot, leadership expert, and Tony Robbins, illegitimate child. You're sitting by a fire and 
it's warm out there's no bugs and you're just having a meaningful conversation and you know if i had a dime for every time i thought nothing can be better than this i'd be you know have a lot of dimes and bruce krentz the one we left behind that i can't say shit about since he does all the editing summer has turned into this massive neurosis i might need counseling i feel like i'm missing out so badly if i lose one minute of sunshine let's go to the check-in then it's been a while again since all four of us were kind of on the phone together not super long but it's been a little while so stevie d what have you been up to uh, I'm in uh, Studio W <laughs> in Winnipeg. Oh, sorry, I ruined it. Uh, yeah, no, I was in Toronto last week, got to see Lester. It was awesome uh, for a drink, just kind of a bit of a rendezvous, saw his new office. Uh, I've been traveling quite a bit again, big surprise, but um, no, working on launching uh, a lot of core stuff. So I'm really excited uh, about some of the stuff that's being launched tomorrow. Um, and yeah, just, um, been in contact with you guys quite a bit and just loving it. So I'm here in Winnipeg for a couple of days. Zane and I are heading North to, uh, not as far as uh, paint Lake because Bruce is too busy. <clears throat> and, um, we're going to Clark to do some fishing at Conlon and, uh, spend time with the family. So yeah, looking forward to that. Lester, last time we talked to you, you had just sold a business and things were going pretty good. Now you've had a little bit of time to uh, rest and relax, I think. What's been going on with you? Yeah, just a lot of resting and relaxing. I've been uh, just kind of taking it easy, enjoying the summer in Toronto. I think since then I've had uh, I've had one weekend in Winnipeg and uh, a couple of cottage weekends thrown in there. Got to see Steve last week while he was in town. That was great. Steve was actually... I, I moved. Uh, I moved into some new office space for my my software business, and Steve was actually the first official guest I had in my new office, so that was kind of fun. Yeah, had a, a, a drink. It was nice. Yeah, I had a drink in the new office. Showed him my uh, my view. <laughs> and I do have to say, before I forget, Les, I don't want to come in your check in, but I, you you may have been. I just was trying to figure it out when I left. You may have been the most relaxed I've seen you in a long time. So you probably won't say that in your check in, but I wanted to just mention that. So. Well, that's good. That's what I'm working towards this summer. So give me another month. <laughs> <laughs> Check that off the list. Georgie, you are here. You're back in Cowtown. What uh, What do you got for us? Yeah, I'm phoning you from work. I'm on call tonight. And the highlight of since our last check-in, we've already mentioned it. You know, We got to do an extra extra. I got to hang out with you and your family a couple of days, which I think kind of solidified this topic of summer because we ended up doing a lot of amazing summer things when I was up in uh, northern Manitoba. I put down my dad's headstone, which of course is the very beginning of this podcast. I think we mentioned it on the Extra Extra. I met Todd Harwood. I met him. And you know, I met you know I knew his mother before I knew him, which was the sort of joke. I sang in Bruce's band. I was in a basement singing in Bruce's band, which was amazing. Guess what? I got a fever. And the only prescription is more cowbell. Uh, and I played some Frisnock, which I had never played before, somehow. And, uh, yeah, no, I had a, a spectacular time up in northern Manitoba. It was, uh, there was one day where I turned to my sister and my mom and I said, this is one of the best summer days I've had in a decade. 
And that day was when I hung up with Bruce and my son all day and Sebastian after putting down my dad's uh, headstone. We gamed the weather. You were here for about a week, uh, which gave us a little bit of flexibility. So we picked two of the nicest days of the summer to get out there, which was was so great. And you saying that that was one of the best days or best day of the summer when you just came back from a trip to Italy is a huge pat on the back, I think, for Thompson in northern Manitoba. Uh, we've been back and forth. Basically, I'm living in two places right now, so I haven't gone anywhere other than Paint Lake and our house since we all talked, but it's been a pretty sweet summer that way. Um, and then I had Jim Rudd and Lee Budd up for the weekend last weekend, and we did some more improvements to the cabin. So infrastructure upgrades, the water system is top shelf now, and we added some solar, so the place just keeps getting a little bit better every day. <laughs> I think what we're going to do is go from the most rural to the most city. So I'm going to start this one off. Usually I don't start off the topics, but I feel like some of our discussion anyways will center around Thompson and Northern Manitoba and us growing up here. So the, the first question, I think the first thing that we're going to sort of throw out is, is summer different now than it was for you as a kid, which is probably a yes. And what do you do with your summer now? Um, what what, is a, what does a summer look like? Is it any different than the rest of the year? Let's start there. And then for me... Summer has turned into this massive neurosis. I might need counseling. I feel like I'm missing out so badly if I lose one minute of sunshine uh, when I'm looking out my office window, when I'm at our house, and it's uh, this mad panic to get to the lake all the time. And lots of days are great. Sometimes it's not so great, and I'm not even sure why there's this crazy rush to get out to paint lake or even around town just to get out and work in my garden and work on the lawn and stuff like that. And so... I think part of it is the winter's long, but it's not that much longer than Winnipeg and Calgary gets some crazy on and off weather. I mean, you guys could have snow in June. So I'm not sure what it is, whether whether I, it's something in my mind or whether it's a it's a Thompson thing. So I think compared to growing up, I am way more anxious to get outside and to enjoy summer right now. It's like I said, it's it's an obsession. It, it kind of bothers me sometimes. My summers probably are very much like they were back in 1984 or 85 in a way we I have my family cabin I spend kind of a lot of time out there and uh, trying to spend some time with our kids so is my summer way different than it was when we were growing up obviously but uh, a, lo a lot of the activities for me are the same and for me summer is vastly different from the rest of the rest of the year so there is a, a real panic or an anxiety to to try to use absolutely every minute. Uh, Steve, you're next on the list. You're the next uh, rural. What's some of your thoughts on uh, on what summer does to your brain, man? Uh, I, I mean, my summer has changed quite a bit given that I started you know, running my own business and stuff because I kind of fade through in the summer, but I do block off a lot of time. I mean, summer to me um, has always been when we were younger, just being outdoors like all the time, like at the lake, uh, swimming, boating, water skiing. Uh, and I recall with thinking about this, like we partied a lot in Northern Manitoba, like probably more than most people did. Cause I mean, that's in the summer, you know, pre, uh, pre work for university, but even after working during university, we were at mid lake jumping off the rocks so often we were, you know, um, yeah, out camping, uh, water skiing, you know, and because we had so much sunlight, you know, playing beach volleyball, like from, you know, right till 10 or 11 o'clock at night. Now it's a bit different because, uh, but I try to block off with my boys. Like we do up until last year before last year, we used to go to Canada's Wonderland. We used to tour Ontario and see family. 
we would try to well bruce i think for this would be the fourth year that we're going to get out try to get out to see you for uh three or four days you know and just try to see family at the lake get to conlin so we try to block it off it's a little bit more stressful you know because i got to make it fit uh in my life but the the weeks that we do find in the summer it's it's amazing still try to make the best of it george i'm going to say you're the next uh most rural guy. T- Toronto gets in our mind. That's the least rural place in the world. So, Georgie, your summers. Yeah, I want to echo what you said. I witnessed Old Man Krentz when I was out there, guys. And uh, like Bruce Krentz has become basically Greg O'Halloran's dad, from what I remember as a kid. He can't stop moving at the lake. He uh, he had me chopping wood. He had my son doing stuff. I moved those one thousand liter. Uh, water tanks uh, with him. I was raking his beach, uh, and it felt exactly like it was when I was at Greg O'Halloran's cabin. We were just always if there. You're always doing something at the lake, and then you get to enjoy it by playing Frisnock and you know jumping in the water. So there's no question, Bruce is a busy, busy bee out at his lake, but it comes with a lot of joy. You can see. So anyway, a little comment. Um, you know, not to repeat. For me, uh, summer's gotten way busier, and it comes a little bit into other uh, podcasts that we've done. I remember as a kid, I had, uh, they seemed like endless summers because there was nothing, um, there's no activities. My family didn't have a cabin. We either went to Portugal or Spain one year and stayed in summer the other and didn't uh, vacation. There was way less plans and sports and vacations done. Like, there's no sports camps for me. There was nothing really set for Thompson, like that you could do as a kid. Um, and now I think about my kids and I have them in Thompson. They're in Maui right now. They come back and one of them is going to have a volleyball camp. The other one's going to have a soccer camp. And I like populate their summers so that they're busy, which is the exact opposite than me, where I physically had to go out and find stuff. And that's a little bit. You know, if you can fast forward to our friendship, the reason why I think kids don't have as many friends as they do now is that everybody is doing so much stuff all the time. They don't get to hang out with your friends as a kid, literally doing nothing. I just think about the times I spent with you three, let alone other friends in Thompson. We would literally spend seven or eight hours doing nothing. We would just hang out. We'd go to the mall. We'd ride our bike. We would do stuff. We'd eat over at each other's houses because there wasn't so much stuff going on in our lives. Our, our parents didn't populate our entire summer, and I'd be interested to know what you guys uh, think about that. So for me, summer has gotten way busier because of what I have to do with my kids. And then fast forward in my career, summer is the best time of year for me because when I'm working, I'm working. But when I'm not, I'm completely off. So out of a 10-week summer, I won't work six weeks. So uh, that, that's how uh, I'd be interested to see if, if you think friendships have changed a little bit because summers were really so much more open as a child than they are now. Just before I, I go to Lester, I'll just kind of jump in on what you asked about the kids. They're both working now, so that ship has sailed a little bit, although Murphy's going to come on a bit of a trip with us this year. Uh, we would try to do some kind of a summer vacation, every basically every summer, right? We Wisconsin Dells, we went to Disney, did a trip to the mountains, all of those kind of things. But when that wasn't happening, you're right, we generally kind of had them in camps or we were out at the lake. And when we were at the lake, water skiing with the kids and playing Frisnock and stuff, I, I'm not good at just saying, okay... 
here's six hours, let's just sit around and hang out. So I think you're right, that has changed because when I was a kid, it was that. It was like, okay, you got a week, we'll see you on Sunday. It's kind of interesting how that's changed a little bit. Steve, you uh, you had them in camps and you had them doing stuff or oh, did you let I'll, them just, yeah, just hang out as both. kids? Uh, you know, a little bit of both. I like, I just believe the importance of, ha- you know, having a little bit of downtime and not having everything scheduled, but no, the same, like was George was saying, you know, there's sports camps throughout the summer. And like I said, we would, you know, I don't like sitting still either. Like that's my, my own issue. And we'll block off, you know, a week to go to a, co- we'll rent a cottage for a week. And then I'll just say, guys, we're going to Ontario for a week and a half to see Uncle S at Canada's Wonderland or all our cousins. And, you know, like, so we do stay, we do stay busy, but I mean, it's partially because I want them to have a good summer. Um, and I also, I want to have a good summer as well. Like I love to keep moving, right? Windmill arms. <laughs> Lester, sorry, we cut you out a little bit, but uh, your turn. What's what's summer to you? No, no, that's fine. Yeah, I was uh, I was interested in hearing that because one of the the differences, I think, obviously in in what sort of construct my lifestyle compared to you three is that I don't have kids. So it's interesting um, to hear you talk about how much the um, family aspect of your your sort of lifestyle um, dictates how you spend your summers because it doesn't work that way for me. When I, when I first started thinking about this podcast, I was, you know, Bruce, and you're saying what is different in your life now from when you were a young kid in terms of how you view summer. And it got me thinking that my situation was a little bit unique as a kid growing up because both of my parents were school teachers, which meant summer, right? Like for us, summer was June 30 till, uh, September 1, right? Because we left Juniper School and we didn't come back for two months. But that was for my entire family because both of my parents were off work all summer. So I never experienced the childhood situation that I see a lot of my colleagues who I've worked with over the years who had kids go through where they're like, oh shit, for the next two months my kids are out of school. I have to find things for them to do. Like what George was saying about, you know, I got to put them in camp. I've got to, you know, come up with activities for them to do. And the parents, as a result, uh, have like more time commitment and more stress uh, over the course of the summer uh, than they have during the winter, which I think is a is an interesting phenomenon. It's hilarious you say that. I think that's a little part of my neurosis. Is Marnie's a teacher? The kids are off, so our house changes 100% when June 30 comes. And uh, a little bit like yeah. the snow day, I'm back to a little bit of jealousy because I. I, I take a fair share of holidays, but there's still a number of days where I got to get up and go to work and nobody else is or was, right? And so you're right, the dynamic yeah. around here changes 100%, whereas for some other people, it's not such a huge change. Yeah, and like for me, I don't have any of that, right? I, I really, nothing changes in my world from winter to summer other than the weather. Like it really doesn't, it doesn't affect me at all. The other thing I think, you know, Bruce, that's probably why you, you, you know, you said you have a little bit of neuroses about not missing any uh, good day of weather because you're the poor staff who's getting up and dragging his ass to the office while the three other people in your house are all like, oh, it looks like it's going to be a beautiful day today. Right? So, you're, you're 100% you know, you, right. Yeah, so you've got that resentment. And then the other thing that was interesting, I thought that producer Mike tossed out was out of the four of us, I'm also blessed to live in the place where summer is the longest. You know, you're up there, and I remember being up there, you know, the two months of glorious weather that you get in Thompson in the summer are pretty precious. 
compared to, you know, here in Toronto, I probably get like a healthy six months of good weather, you know, four months, certainly of what you would call summer, summer, and, and probably, you know, a month on either side of that where it's, it's fairly warm. Like you probably got six months of, of rough patio weather in, uh, in Toronto. So it's not, I don't have that quite that same feeling of, Oh shit, I can't afford to let a, a beautiful summer day go to waste as I used to when I was, you know, younger living in Manitoba and, and uh, suffering through the more painful winter and just looking forward to the summer so much. Yeah, I, I think the one thing though, the one thing though, uh, the weather's one thing in the length of the summer, but one of the things when I think about northern summers was how the sun would come up at 3.30 in the morning and it would be up until on some nights like close to just after 11. Right, which made it very dangerous when we were older because it just felt like, hey, you know, it's just daytime all the time. <laughs> just when you're thinking about going, just when you're thinking about going home, it's time to go for breakfast. Very different, a very different dynamic than any other place, right? Go for yep. breakfast at the Shamrock. Remember that? Um, <laughs> after staying up all night, I, I think you touch on another big one, Steve, because you're right. It is when we lived in the Arctic, there was a real where when it stayed dark for six months and or not six months but for a long time and then when it was light it was like the people were on a high and i think it was way more magnified there because the sun was up 24 hours and it was such a harsh climate but in thompson it's a little bit the same in june when when like you say we're getting 20 hours of sunlight uh you're excited and again it it's uh it it kind of gets into your blood and you you don't want to miss any of those minutes so uh, your world changes a lot let's touch on it one more time i think your activities really don't change from summer to winter so uh, other than maybe visiting some friends at the cabin do you have any sort of specific summertime activities or is it just sort of one month blends into the next yeah not really i mean i used to play when i was younger i used to play a lot of golf in the summer now i don't golf very often because all of my uh friends have kids and can't get away for you know eight or ten hours on a saturday afternoon like we used to (laughs) you know my like my activities don't change a lot I quite enjoy being in Toronto in the summer, so I tend to not travel as much. I'm happy to be around the city. The city, one thing I will say, sort of like from sort of my viewpoint, is that there's definitely a different cultural feel in the business world in the summer. Things definitely relax, and there's nothing you can do to fight against that. Like, if you're in sales, you're going to have a couple slow months. If you're uh, trying to hire someone, it's going to be a slow grind finding candidates. If you're looking for a job, you know, good luck getting an interview. I think it's because, you know, the the people who do have kids in school are off dealing with them, right? And that's where you take your two-week vacations and and that's when you're out of the office much more and decision makers are out of the office. So the rest of us kind of coast along that, you know, now that I'm old enough to appreciate it, I'm just like, yeah, you know what? It's July, August, that price guy's probably not going to call me back for, you know, a week instead of the one day that I'm used to. That's just the way it's going to be. Everybody's a little more chill. The length of your workday shortens a little bit. Everyone gets a little more relaxed. So it definitely has a has a nice vibe from that standpoint. And for that reason, I think I, I like being around Toronto. I like being in my office in the summer. Take my vacations in the winter. Unless you're a startup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for five years. They don't they they don't rest during the summer, let's be honest. It's interesting. Let me hit you with this one more question less do you think a little bit of this has to do with just just kind of a refresh on on people's energy so even if you're not taking a holiday i think people need to slow down a little bit aside from steve whose arms are windmilling and and maybe me who just runs around at top speed all the time but 
a teacher friend of ours explained this the one time, and I, maybe I've mentioned this before, but that teachers have a really nice sort of a cycle, right? So you, you start up your year in September and you've got different students and different classes, and, but there's a clear end point. So in June, it's over and you kind of work to that and then you restart. Whereas a lot of people in the business world or George, uh, especially you and me a little bit in healthcare, there's no, there's nothing like that. You don't have cycles. You don't really often have projects that you work on. So one day just kind of bleeds into the next and, uh, and one month and one year. And so I kind of feel like maybe people need that little break, even psychologically, just to sort of have a restart in September. Do you, do you kind of see that? Yes. Without a doubt, there's a, that's very true. It's a very good point. You know, anyone, like when we were younger, obviously, and we were students and then those, who as adults stay, you know, around academia or in teaching, you have those, you know, every year has a stop and a start. And, and it is important because it, it forces you to build in some downtime. Whereas like if you work in, say, finance, you're closing out a quarter and the next day the next quarter starts. And it's just, it just goes. The hamster cage gets back to the bottom and it just keeps going around and around and around. And so those people do tend to get burnt out and it's hard to, sort of like mandate some downtime and hit the refresh button every once in a while. So I think you're, you're very correct on that point, Bruce. Some, summer now, whether or not you do that in the summer or do that by taking two weeks off in February when it's minus 30 in Winnipeg and, you know, you go to the Caribbean, however you do it, you got to do it. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I, yeah. I think I find in the business world, even if you don't take off, you just slow your, you use summer as an excuse to slow your work down. Kind of like what you're saying, right? You go in and, and then you just, everybody is doing the point at each other. Like, well... Things just yep. slow down because everybody's gone. Well, it turns out everybody actually isn't gone, but we all, but we all just use that as an excuse <laughs> to kind of slow down and leave early a couple of days, right? So, but I think lunches are a bit longer. We we call it patio season for a reason, you know, in the summer and during certain events. And when the sun's shining, when the sun's shining, it's like ah, uh, you know, let's just take this to the street or take this to the to the um, to the patio. Let's do a round of uh, favorite sort of memories or uh, what? what's the the epitome of a summer day or a summer activity? A little bit maybe when you were younger and then maybe today. Uh, Les, why don't we let you keep going? You just you just kind of touched on it that summer now is is hanging out in down, well, downtown or in, in Toronto and just sort of enjoying that. Is that now, has that taken over as your epitome of a, a summer day? What's the best now or before? Oh man, that's a that's a tough question, Bruce. I think uh, top five, you know, maybe. I don't want to say that a perfect summer day for me is sitting in downtown Toronto, but you know, if it's uh, if it's a beautiful Friday afternoon and you go to the office for a couple hours, and then you go for a long lunch, and then you cut out, and you know, there's always lots of uh, lots of people walking around in Toronto, and and that can be a, a, a fantastic day. You know, maybe if you couple that with getting, you know, having a buddy who's got a cottage and getting out to the lake, <laughs> you know, the, the next day. But the other thing, too, you got to remember is, Bruce, like, what does it take you? How long does it take you to get from Studio A to Studio B? About 30 minutes, maybe? Yeah. George was surprised the one day when I sort of bullied him and said, come on. It was the eve- that first evening that we went out there. And, yeah, we from, from 48 Hemlock to like, standing on the beach at Studio B or P, whatever we're going to call it, was under 40 minutes. Forty minutes, including the ten minutes on the boat from the marina over to your beach. Yeah, which should count as part of the experience time, not part of the travel time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So it's probably thirty you're, minutes. You're, you're, so the marina, yeah, twenty-nine minutes, twenty-nine minutes. Yeah, marina. twenty minutes to the marina. <laughs> now compare that to uh, this past weekend. Uh, our boy Gerald from Winnipeg flew out. I picked him up at Pearson, and we drove out to our friend Hugh Thomas's cottage, which is up. Uh, just north of Kingston, 
and we hit some shitty traffic on Friday afternoon, oh. and it it took us uh, probably a healthy four and a half hours. It was not a problem. Like I figured, it's probably three and a half hours on a good day. But that's just a different mindset, like what it takes for me to get to a cottage from downtown Toronto than it does for you. It's more of a uh, you got you got to commit to it. Like it's more of a trip than yeah. having the incredible you know setup that you have, where it's almost like a second home. You know, thirty twenty nine minutes for me is getting to the office. <laughs> the thing as well, right? Like a lot of people in the summer, you know, guys who have a place up in Muskoka, whenever you start going up there. Well, traffic's shit on thir- on Friday, so I'm gonna start going on Thursdays. And well, maybe I'll come back on Monday night instead of Sunday. You know, so now you're down to a three day work week, and you know Monday and Friday working at the cottage where everyone has internet now. But uh, you know, people do that a lot in the summer too, which I think is a, can be a good thing. To to put an exclamation point on all this, uh, just before we jumped on the call, producer Mike told me that he's commuting to and from the lake tonight. So you're right; it is almost an extension of our house. So he's gonna stay at the lake tonight and drive in for work tomorrow morning and no big deal, right? <laughs> nice. Yeah, pretty sweet. Yeah. Georgie, some thoughts on uh, on what's your summer now? What's a perfect summer day? Maybe one when you were a kid? A couple of comments. I'm a bit pissed off that Les picked up Gerald at the airport because his standing MO has been now jump on the Union <laughs> Pearson. Oh, when you get to Pearson, just hop in a cab or Uber to my house. <laughs> and he hasn't had to pick up a guy at an airport. He claims he quite sometimes. I'm a bit pissed off that Gerald got picked up. You're correct. I gave up doing the Pearson pickup a couple of years ago when they put in the high-speed train to Union Station. But for this particular trip, Pearson's right on the 401. So picking him up you know, from my house to get to the cottage would have actually taken longer to get out of the city. So that's the only reason, George, the policy has not changed. Next time you come to Toronto, you will be taking the, uh, the UP Express to Union Station. All right. Well, fuck you 1,000 times. Um, the, the, <laughs> <laughs> okay, Christine Gary. Yeah, the, uh, no, no, it's, it's awesome. I know that Gerald uh, texted me to say they had a great time. You know, just one more thing before, because I didn't get to chime in about you know, summertime, I think society has also made summer uh, underscored a little bit. If you just think about your own respective cities with Folklorama, Stampede, there's a, there's a festival every single weekend in every town now. Edmonton's actually particularly good at that, and Calgary's catching up. But even society kind of makes you on your weekends, you know, Go out and do something else. It's going to cost you money because you got to buy hot dogs and candy floss and stuff. But, you know, society has also sort of picked up on that pushing the summer agenda a little bit. And if you just think about the stuff that happens from June to September in most cities, it's actually quite impressive. In terms of answering your question, Bruce, you know, it's interesting. I think I maybe have romanticized what I did as a kid because when I brought out Sebastian to do all this stuff that I did at your place. And I said, you know, this is one of the best summer days I've had. It literally, like I meant that, it's because even though I didn't do a lot of that as a kid, uh, because I didn't have a cabin, I had to go to someone else, that whole taking Sebastian out to jump on Moak Lake um, or Mid Lake Rocks, uh, hanging out with you by water, you know, chopping wood, Frisnod having, you know, meals by the water, that to me is a perfect summer day. So it's a combination of kind of activities and water fun. And I've done, you know, lots of my summer stuff ends up going to BC with my family just so I can be near water and kind of have that long, lazy, 
spattering of activities throughout the day, but still sort of enjoying. Because for me, swimming is downtime. Playing Frisnot is downtime. Chopping wood is even downtime for me because they're just activities they are fun to do outside. So I think that's kind of my ideal family. But personally, because there's so much downtime in summer for my profession, I now have discovered, you know, me time where I'm now, the kids are gotten to a point, if I put them in a camp, I realize it's actually benefiting me quite a bit more. Like I get to go and do something by myself and not have to do stuff with them. So, you know, as much as I love my kids, you know, I'm really enjoying uh, me time, uh, not just family time. So those those two days are perfect. By myself doing my own thing and then with them. And and you're not, most of those me time days, you're not by the water because you're hanging out in Calgary. So what do you do in summer? It's g- golf for sure. Are there some other sort of more specific summer activities or is it just I have time to go play squash and go get pedicures and whatever it is you do? Yeah. So manicures are big and pedicure. No, pedicures are big in my life. Like, you know, Les and I both have that affliction once a month. Uh, I would say uh, golfing, uh, hiking, because I'm so close to uh, the mountains, uh, are two big activities um, that I do solo time. So I, I try to get out of the city because it might not be 30 minutes away like Paint Lake is, but it's no more than 45 or 60 minutes. And I've even taken Steve on a couple of these hikes with my kids. And you can be in some pretty spectacular outdoor scenery. And all you got to do is walk. Like, that's it. It doesn't, you don't have to swim. You don't have to scale a mountain. You don't have to be on a glacier. You can just physically be outside walking and that's good enough. And those are pretty specific summertime things. I want to touch back on what you said about the social pressure on summer. It's, it's almost like body shaming. It's summer shaming that I think the media and the world is, is doing to us. So, and maybe it's just me that feels it, but there does feel like there's some pressure to, to get out and enjoy summer one way or the other country music must be the worst for that right how many songs do they have about riding around in a pontoon boat or having a fire in a field with your friends and uh you know taking girls on a drive in the in the nighttime so i think i think you're dead right that there's some weird social pressure maybe it's just marketing to sell stuff like beer and pontoon boats but uh it's it's certainly out there (laughs) and pickup trucks Stevie, perfect day? Uh, you know, again, it's not going to be a surprise to you guys, but it's connection. It's who I spend it with. When I think about some of my perfect summers uh, and I think about who I was with, uh, you know, like I'm heading to the north of fish and you know, I'll be on the lake with the boys and Adrian uh, catching pickerel. You know, I'll be at Canada's Wonderland with my boys and Lester and I. Like we've had some moments, you know, some deep, meaningful connections. Brucey, you and I, you know, the last several years made, made it out there and we've had... You know, we've both said, like, you know, I can relate to what Georgie's saying, you know, where there's moments uh, where there's hours or days where we just say there's nothing better than this. You know, uh, the hike that I had with Georgie last year, you know, we got some great pictures of us, you know, to, out with the kids and just being together, enjoying the, you know, enjoying the, the summer. Right. So for me, it's it's um, it is the sun. It's the warmth. It's that 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 perfect moment. But to me, again, it's that meaningful connection to who I'm with in those moments. You know, I have like, you know, times where I'm by myself and go, oh, this is an amazing day that God has created and everything's perfect. And, you know, but I'm a, I'm a connection person and, um, my summer, my greatest summer moments have been with people I care about doing something meaningful, right? And that's my perfect summer day, whether it's at Paint Lake or downtown Toronto on the patio with Les and you know, having a deep, meaningful conversation where the sun is kissing our face um, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense, right? I mean, it's uh, doing something in the summertime with people I care about. 
it totally makes sense and it's uh it's a little bit about uh, i think similar to christmas time and and this this episode feels a bit like yeah. a christmas episode in that uh summer is a time for connection so often you go on vacation or you make a point i mean for us we make a point of trying to have some people out to the cabin if they're around town or if they're coming up here right and so uh, i think you're exactly right you travel around and and for those couple months sometimes you think a little bit more about connecting with people and spending time whether it's partying or hiking or whatever that might be right sitting sitting by a fire like you know like yeah just uh you know moments it, to me it's that mo meaningful moment right you're sitting by a fire and um it's warm out there's no bugs the fire and you're just having a meaningful conversation and you know if i had a dime for every time i thought you know nothing can be better than this i'd be you know I'd have a lot of dimes let's put it that way <laughs> good spectacular pocket full uh, i love it tomato timer is almost done for me i mean you guys i think we've talked too much about paint lake already but obviously that's a special place for me and important that's probably what our summer days are although i mean some of the best memories for us probably are some family vacations that we went on to just because it's different right um so for george to come here is a little bit different than calgary for us uh this will kind of make you laugh less but i do enjoy spending a week in a big city and walking around uh, being a, a face in a crowd once in a while because in thompson and especially out at studio b or p Everybody knows everybody, and uh, it's a little bit different situation. So I have some pretty good memories of that, where our family's been sort of in a big crowd, or like you're saying, Steve, when you go to Wisconsin Dells or to Disney or something, and you're it's a whole totally different situation, but you're connected and having some fun. So um, summertime's yeah. great. I think we can do a whole episode on... Producer Mike wanted us to throw out a little bit on songs of the summer, because that's uh, music is so important to all of us. The tomato timer's done. But I'm just going to take a really quick rip through. We each get to say one good or bad song of the summer from our past. And I, I think we could do a whole episode on this because I spent a 45-minute walk home from work today <laughs> thinking about it. I could have done 45 minutes on my own. Um, so here's my funny uh, – I'm going to say my song of the summer sort of memorable thing is two years ago, Paige especially, but our family got into the Beastie Boys. And we listened to Beastie Boys for the <laughs> whole summer out at the lake. We put it in the, the CD shuffle. Uh rolled through all of their cds and uh and so that really sticks out as sort of a summertime thing for me the beastie boys man who knew uh stevie any summer songs that you've loved or hated in the past like every time you guys ask me songs about what's best what's worse i can't even i can't even i can't even answer it bruce um what was that song by the black crows that you could hear coming out of mark's car driving on the highway do you remember <laughs> was um, it uh, she talks to angels oh no it's hard to handle probably she, yeah yeah, no, no, no. She talked to angels. I think it was right. It yeah. was, uh, yeah. And that to me, that to me was a moment where my worlds were colliding. Right, heading out to do some water skiing with Noel and his, and Mark Mansell, Bruce uh, and I in the back. So we can hear the stereo on the highway from the car in front of us. <laughs> <laughs> it was That's bad song. Too many to count, man. Too many to count. Insanity, Georgie. What do you got? <laughs> See chameleon lying there in the sun. All things to everyone. Run, run, away. run, run away. <laughs> so Smoke Lake. Smoke Lake. Exactly. I oh knew my you God. For sure, for sure. This is the the oldest memory I have where oh did you you pick up the beeper? This is the oldest memory I have where a a 
activity or an event is so time stamped by a song. And in 1984, we all went out to Moak Lake in grade eight. And so many things happened, which is a whole separate podcast. And, uh, and then, you know, it's, it's names like Daryl Garris, Kevin Studley, Leona Brooks, Marilyn Captain, you know, carrying those. Yeah, all those people. And that song was the song of the summer. And we listened to it over and over again. I can't remember whose boombox was out there, but we went through so many D batteries. And I remember walking with Mike Smith and all the activities that we did and like the compassing, the orientation, us cooking, the fire camps. We had this unbelievable week of weather. So for me, that will always in my mind stick out as the best summer song of my life because our whole grade eight class, the two of them went out to Moak Lake before we went into high school, right? Because high school was grade nine. So it was kind of like the, the, the end of our innocence, you know, less the following year moves to Winnipeg. Your brother Dave wasn't at that Moak Lake because he was sick. And then there's stuff that happens. So no question, Slade, run, run away. Best song of my memory life because of Moak Lake. Bam. Wow, you just, I had to put a seatbelt on uh, in my chair because you just brought me way back like some freaking, yeah, that was wild. Wow. wow. Crazy ride in the way back machine. Les, you got anything else? You got, you got a run, run away in your back pocket? Well, first of all, George, thank you. That was, uh, that was a perfect call because I remember that song. It is time stamped to that exact moment in time for me exactly the way that you just described it. And that's a fucking fantastic <laughs> memory. And that's such a crystallized moment in time. Just Moak Lake, like the time. That no question. Unbelievable it. memory. Unbelievable memory. Yep. And, and that song is it. Every time I hear that song, my mind just goes straight there. Second thing I want to say, Bruce, Paige just became that much cooler to me. Shout out <laughs> to her for bringing these boys into your life. Even if it was, 30 years late for you. That's, uh, that's fucking awesome. I love to hear that. When I was thinking about this, you know, trying to come up with a song, I was thinking, okay, what really in my mind, you know, because you had said good or bad. So I think, okay, what in my mind really makes a song of summer, quote unquote? And I came up with this criteria. I guess I just invented it myself. I won't say it's the criteria, <laughs> but my criteria was, I think it should be a song that you both love and hate at the same time because you get so sick of hearing it or it's cheesy and you don't like it, but you can't kind of not sing it or hum it a little bit when you hear it. <laughs> and for me, the one that comes to my most checking all the boxes in, in those categories was I, I had just moved out to Toronto summer of 1999. Uh, oh, Rick Ricky Martin, Living La Vida Loca, <laughs> was blasting out of every cheesy guy in Toronto's convertible on the way home from the office. You couldn't go anywhere without hearing that fucking song. I hated it, but everybody sang it. And it was such a summer song because it started that whole sort of, um, uh, that Latin explosion in music and everybody was like into Latin dancing. And it was just, it was had a very summertime feel. So, Love it or hate it for good or bad, Ricky Martin, Living La Vida Loca, Song of the Summer 1999. <laughs> that's, 
That's another brilliant call. Uh, just to, to mildly defend myself, this, the Beastie Boys CDs we were listening to were mine from 30 years ago. So I, I was always a fan, but I oh, absolutely okay. I loved okay. Paige for Paige, right. Paige brought it back though, and uh, and we had a we had a great summer with all that stuff. So uh, she was wearing her Beastie Boys shirt to work the other day. How great is that? It's the closing segment on the Snow Day podcast. When's the last time you? Time for the last segment. When's the last time you? Les, your turn. Yeah, so it was my turn to come up with a question. And uh, I was thinking about this the other day because I was talking to a friend of mine who just broke a bone in her foot and I was talking to her about it. And uh, she mentioned that she'd never broken a bone before. And I thought, wow, that's really odd because she's like in her 40s. And I have broken more bones than I think I can count. And so my question for today is, when was the last time you broke a bone? It's a beauty. Do you want to go first or last? Uh, I'll go first. The okay. last time I remember breaking a bone, and actually this uh, George will have a fond memory of this as well, about... Ten years ago, I forget exactly what year it was, maybe 2007, something like that, um, I had a rather large trip planned to come visit Georgie and his then-wife, um, myself and my ex-wife, uh, while he was living in Australia. So we had a big trip planned to Australia. It was about three and a half weeks. We were spending some time with George in uh, Sydney, and then we were going to go up the coast and hook up with our other buddy, Jeff Bacon, and his wife spend some time together and, and, and have like a, a fairly extensive trip with a lot of traveling. Two days before we uh, were set to leave on this trip, I uh, managed to break my ankle playing basketball. <laughs> Ow, my leg! This is the worst pain ever! Which uh, my wife was none too pleased about, as you can imagine. <laughs> All the plans were made for this trip. <laughs> there was no backing out of these plans. So I said, yeah, no worries. Uh, strap it up, threw on the boots, and spent a month uh, trekking around Australia with my uh, with my ankle in a swollen like a balloon and in a big uh, air cast. But Georgia, I think we still pretty much got done everything that we had planned to do while we were in Australia. It didn't set, set us back too much. So, yeah, I think that's the last time I broke a bone. I love it. George, we'll go to you. Two things. Did you set them up with really good drugs? And as a doctor, have you ever had the chance to, like, re-break someone's bone to set it properly because that's what you do right yeah yes i'm uh i'm a pediatric orthopedic surgeon <laughs> no i'm not any of those <laughs> just so uh yes I, I haven't reset a bone in a while but i have done that and relocated shoulders and elbows but that's been a long time so i've never broken a bone either i've been lucky and uh but my by my favorite broken bone story actually involves all of us that day must have been eight or nine years ago when we went out and we went fishing with Bruce and we proceeded to get, you know, the drunkest we've ever been in our life. And then when somebody dropped off less because my mom ended up cooking for us, his fingers got caught in the door of whatever car he was getting dropped off in. And yeah, I think he broke the tip of his finger. <laughs> And I remember looking at his face. It was my we so Jeep that Bruce was driving, I think. Right, Bruce? 
I'll never admit to that. Okay. Okay, so you... So, <laughs> so I like that story. You, so you, you've actually corrected me. You're right. That is the last time I broke a bone. Thank you for the doctor for having proper uh, track of my medical records. <laughs> and it was Bruce who slammed my finger in the door. And, uh, yeah, I broke, oh, no. I broke the tip of my finger. Fortunately, we were drunk enough. It didn't start to hurt until about two days later. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have any healing in the, in the tip of that finger for close to a year. <laughs> well, Les, didn't I break your nose at George's house too? That one time when I slammed you with my my arm. <laughs> yes, you did. There's another story. All these stories about Les broken bones. Yeah, Bruce, don't feel bad. I broke Les's nose. <laughs> yeah, all I got yeah. was a tip of the we finger. Drunk. We weren't drunk. We weren't drunk. No, we yeah. were about uh, ten, eleven years old. That was the first time I broke my nose, and the worst time I broke my nose. Steve, I've broken my nose five times, but that was the first time. We were walking up Georgie's driveway, and remember there was that one little step at his back door, and you stepped up to him just enough above me, and Bonnie was on the front lawn, and she was yelling something at us, and you went to turn to give her the finger, and you like whipped your arm back, and you, you basically just planted. It was clean contact, yeah. Clean contact right on the tip of my nose. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I still feel bad for that. It was terrible. Like I still, I can still hear it. I can still <laughs> feel it. George, at least you've never broken one of my bones. Bruce <laughs> broke my finger. Steve broke my nose. I broke my ankle playing basketball. <laughs> yes, I'm a good friend. You're yeah, a good friend. Yeah. Yeah. So a great, great friend. friend. So, Steve, is that the last time you've broken a bone, or did did you break one of your own? No, I've broken lots of bones, actually. <laughs> like so many, I can't count. Uh, my last one, though, was a funny one because it's a shout out to Garth Matson. Uh, we, we were wrestling, we were wrestling uh, in my front yard when I lived in on Brandon in Thompson, Manitoba. So when I was there for a stint, can't remember what year it was. It would have been 96, maybe. Um, and we were just wrestling in my front yard. There were a few co- cocktails and he said, oh, I bet you can't pick me up. And he said that back in 1991 when we were living together. Uh, and I proceeded, I think, George, you may have been there. I proceeded to slam him like <laughs> eight times. And so this time was a little, few years later and I picked him up and I got him almost up to my chest. And you guys know how big Garth is. And he, he fell back towards me and he landed on my head. <laughs> on the pavement and broke my nose. I was surprised it didn't break my skull. Like it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was painful. It was painful. But uh, yeah, right. serves me right for being silly. <laughs> I suppose. I think that that kind of reminds me, I think you were still here, Steve. So probably actually, now that you mentioned it, Lester, that might've been the last bone that I've broken was your fingers. And I apologize for that. <laughs> I didn't know we were talking about breaking. Are those our own bones, guys? I'll, I'll tell you my my own. But yeah. the other one is someone else's. I think that I got was when we were playing volleyball, and uh, Marnie and I were playing volleyball beside each other, blocking. And I jumped up to block, and I came down, and I hit her basically oh. in the eye with my elbow. And I'm not sure if it actually broke a bone, but it was the worst black eye you've ever seen to the point where she had to go to the hospital oh, and stuff. No. Yeah, didn't she go to the crisis center after that, Bruce? Well, that was the rest of my. That's the rest of my story. Is you can't believe how how things change in society when your wife has like the worst black eye you've ever seen. Oh yeah. The, 
Even if you're Bruce Krentz, even if you're the nice guy, Bruce Krentz. Yeah. Your your good your good reputation goes down the tubes in a big hurry when something like that goes on. It's it's bizarre how the how the world around you changes. So that's a crazy one. The last bone I ever broke was uh, the ending of the story is me waking up on the ice, looking up, thinking, "Boy, that looks like the rafters in the Boys of Vane Arena," and uh, my head in the hands of our trainer. Who's going, Bruce, Bruce, are you okay? So a guy had jumped up and elbowed me in the nose and knocked me out cold. And I did actually wake up. I did actually wake up lying on my back on the ice in Boys of Ain, And it was the rafters in the Boys of Ain Arena. And- Bruce, Bruce, when, what year was that? You, you forget the, you forget breaking your, breaking your foot the year we, uh, we played in that volleyball tournament. Remember you, you practice, you practice with a broken foot, dude. That was in '96, uh, the same year that I <laughs> broke my nose with uh, Garth. <laughs> it's it's true, actually. The broken nose was before that. We played in that crazy three-on-three volleyball tournament, and I had a a broken foot. But at the time, a thousand dollars was a lot of money, like a lot of money. <laughs> we're, we're, worth risking, like screwing up your leg forever, and we won, so it was worth it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I I hurt for about three months after that, so. It was bad, Bruce. That just reminded that just reminded me of another story that I feel like I have to shout out because I know your mom, uh, Dolores, listens to these podcasts. <laughs> this one is a good we one. I love really this one. Little, you remember we were really little and we were out at your cottage, and in the middle of the night, somehow I rolled out of bed and I fell out of the top bunk and broke my finger. Yes, I do remember it distinctly. Yeah, no, I, I broke a finger. And I, I don't even think I fully woke up. I was in that wonderful, you know, when you're like six or seven years old and you sleep so deeply that <laughs> you can, you know, roll out of bed, fall, break your finger, wake up the next morning with a really sore finger going, what the hell happened? <laughs> and your mom had to tell me, yeah, I came in. I remember your mom telling me, she came into the room and I was like on the floor and she said, what happened? And I said, I fell out of bed. And she said, well, how did you fall out of bed? And I said, First me and then the broom. <laughs> and your mom used to, she used to repeat that story to me for years when we were older. She would just and laugh and laugh. First me and then the broom. <laughs> and her worrying that, that the broom was me. And so she was looking around like she thought maybe <laughs> I had ended up under the bed. Or something. Which makes a lot of sense when you see pictures of you. <laughs> The brush cut, the lean, the lean look of the brush cut. <laughs> Let's let, let me let me finish on this. Then the guy Hanson, you remember this one at your cabin, Lester? When I stubbed my toe so bad, probably broke oh, it. Oh yeah, for sure it was yeah. broken. And uh, and we were out at setting. There was no way we were coming back anymore. I was in bed moaning and groaning. And your dad came in. He was up like just tired of all my belly aching, which was probably like wickedly over the top. We're out at setting. We got nothing around, and he gave me a mug full of dark rum. And just said, drink, drink. <laughs> old school, old school. I'm sure that was the first time I was drunk. And he uh, he just said, drink, you have to drink this all down. And you were, you were looking at me going, he said, you got to drink it all down. So you got to drink it down. So I, I drank that, of course, passed out and uh, forgot about my toe and then came to town and got there you fixed go. up. Yeah, it, it was pretty solid medicine. That's old school right there. Well, he was a science teacher. <laughs> Was it, Bruce, was it rum or was it gripe water? <laughs> call, call it what you will. <laughs> I've n- never really liked rum since then. All right, guys. It was good talking to you guys. Take care. Yep. Enjoy, Gator. Lester, Georgie. Enjoy your summers. <laughs> yeah, what's, what's left your of summer. it? It's getting summer's cold fun. in Thompson already. <laughs> Put on some rock set. Put on some rock set. <laughs> little, bit, little, bit of Rick, little bit of Rick Astley. That's what I'm going with. 
<laughs> okay, take care, guys. All right, love you guys. All right, bro. So, all right, bye. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. Want to do us a solid? Tell your friends. Recommend us on Twitter and Instagram at SnowDayPod and on Facebook, SnowDayPodcast. And special thanks to the secret weapon, Shannon B. Song. These guys are my best friends, two freaking friends. We've always been together with four of a kind, having fun all day, piling around and laughing away. Just best friends, best friends are we. I love you guys.